from the Rooker End, November the 17th, 2012. Uh, it's, it's about lunchtime. Yep. Uh, and we are, uh, we're back to this afternoon. We're going to be seeing Watford take on Wolves. We're not there yet, and we're, we're on our way via Heathrow Airport. Now, Mike is with me. Hello, Mike. Watcher. Uh, I'm John, of course. Uh, Mike, why are we going to Heathrow Airport? Bizarrely, we're on our way to Heathrow Airport to pick up our next Watford player. Which one? Have a guess. Well, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask. Uh, I was going to ask people to see if they can have a guess, but you'd never guess. Not in a million years. We're on our way to Heathrow to pick up the original Flying Dutchman, <laughs> Nordin Vuuten. I a don't know what he's going to make of your car. I've got to be honest. <laughs> we'll find out when we get there. We'll be chatting to him on the car on the way back from Heathrow Airport on his way to Vickers Road, where he's going to be a special guest. We're also going to be chatting to Connor Smith, one of our young players. Connor Smith. Connor Smith. Yes, that's how, that's how you say it. Mm-hmm. We'll be chatting to him about how he got to Watford and his time in the youth team, plus how he broke into the, uh, into the first team this year. And we'll be joined by Adam Leventhal from Sky Sports, Watford fan, uh, chatting to him about the season so far and how our squad is forming. Because it's been quite a good month. The team has been coming together, hasn't it, Mike? Well, it's been a terrific month. Absolutely buzzing. So many sort of... Oh, just a really exciting time for Watford, I think. It's going to be great. Now, no Jason this month, fortunately. He couldn't make it today. So we have... Returning... From Podcast 10, Robo Jace. Hello, Robo Jace. Hello, boys. Uh, are you ready to go for the podcast? Affirmative. I wasn't working properly earlier, but I was turned off and on again, and everything seems fine, and I'm ready to go. I'm ready, absolutely. I've got to say, I prefer Robo Jace to the real Jace. Robo Jace needs the loo a lot less. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. So we're at Heathrow uh, Airport now, waiting for, uh, for Nordin. We're having a little bit, aren't we, before mm. we carry on? Mm. Has Nordin Vuta still got his dreadlocks, yes or no? I've gone a very, very firm yes. Okay. You don't cut hair like that off. Well, it was very well-kept dreadlocks, and so I, I'm, I'm saying no, though. Because I think there's a certain age where you, you can't do it. So I'm going to say no. So if, he, if he's still got them, are you going to tell him, uh, Mr Vuta, yeah, I admire your footballing ability, you've had a wonderful career, but really you're too, too old for that. <laughs> no, Get I'm not say that. no, of course not. Just going to say, hello Mr Vuta, welcome back to Watford. Apparently his plane's landed. But, uh, we'll... I feel a bit like um, one, of those t- one of those TV shows, you know, like we're sort of like, almost a little bit like Paps. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and they're following us around saying, oh, who are you waiting for? Not like, always... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, we'll come back when we're with Norden in the house. When the, in the fox car. is in the hen house. So, we are joined on from the rookery end. We've got a very, very special guest this month, a very special treat. Norden Vuta has joined us, just literally just landed in the country. He's going to come and um, watch Watford v Wolves today, and also probably doing a little bit of scouting because he's just told us that his uh, academy team is coming over to, to play Watford in uh, early next week. So it's welcome to the uh, welcome to from the rookery end, uh, Norden Vuta. Thanks very much for having for coming on. Thank you, no problem. A little bit about what you're up to now these days. Uh, at the moment, um, uh, working at Ajax Amsterdam, I'm doing the youth department. Also, I'm uh, going for my coaching. Uh, three and two, we say in Holland. So I'm, uh, next month I'm gonna have my uh, exams for uh, three, and then go directly into two. And uh, yeah, I'm working hard uh, building my academy up, and uh, yeah, that's keeping me busy for 24/7. Really. 
And so and you're bringing the, bringing the old boys over to play Watford on Monday, that's right? How, how did that come about? Well, I'm, I'm, I started my own uh, league, it's called Pro League in Amsterdam. And uh, Pro League is playing on a Tuesday. So uh, what I did is uh, my under-19 and my under-23 is playing the professional teams in, uh, in, in Holland. And I'm trying to put all my talented players in the picture by playing those games. And uh, Micah Hyde, I got good contact with Micah Hyde. We started talking and I said, wouldn't, wouldn't it be interested for us playing Watford? Like I also played there and maybe for future plans that we can do a partnership. Like I'm working at Ajax Amsterdam. I know the talents, I know the level, I know the way of working, building up academy. So um, yeah, that's how it came together. So I hope you're not, you haven't come over trying to pinch some of our best youngsters for Ajax, no? <laughs> no, but that, that would be a good situation if, if there's such talent at Watford and I could be the link to bring them to Amsterdam, Ajax Amsterdam. That would be good for Watford and, and Ajax. So. Yeah, it could work both ways. We can yeah. have some, some decent Dutch talent and you can have some English talent, yeah? Yeah. Obviously, you, you played for Watford back in the, in the Premiership year under, under Graham Taylor. Have you been back since? No, you left? I just told my wife also that hey, the, after 10 years I'm, I'm the first time back to come and see Watford, so yeah, it's special for me too. And so what, what do you remember about your, about your time at Watford? Obviously in England Watford were quite well known as, as, a generally, as quite a small club, as a, as a family club, but you came from Real Zaragoza in, in La Liga in Spain, much bigger, much bigger club than Watford. What, what did you know about Watford before you came over? Before I came, I didn't know that much. The, I came, I was uh, training at Derby Country, and uh, I was there for a week and a half. And it uh, wasn't really clear for us what was going to happen. Then Graham Taylor made a phone call, so I came over for a training. And uh, yeah, after the training, he really wanted to have me to sign a contract. And from that moment, I just enjoyed Watford as something special in our lives. Uh, my, my children were born in Amsterdam, but lived here in, in England, and uh, you had a beautiful time. And what, what were your memories of Graham Taylor? He's obviously one of Watford fans' favourite uh, men in the world. He, he led Watford to virtually all their success. Um, so what, what did you think of Graham Taylor? I've learned uh, a lot of, from, from Graham Taylor about how he uh, approached the, the football situation as a manager, because uh, yeah, in Holland it's different. It's a, a coach is a coach, but Graham Taylor was a brilliant manager. And uh, yeah, he just opened my eyes in like how he managed the whole club. I think it was a very good situation for Watford. And it was a tricky, tricky year for Watford that year. Didn't win that many games and obviously ended in, in relegation. But were there any, any high points, any good memories from, from that Premier League season? Yeah, I remember that actually I think it was my debut game winning Chelsea. And uh, I remember the games playing at Manchester United playing at Chelsea of uh, Arsenal uh, playground so yeah all those moments are still in my memory yeah and then the, you, you did stick with Watford in the in championship division one um, how was that for you dropping down a division no not a problem because I think England uh, has a very strong league and uh, the history of the football clubs are very big so also the clubs in the in the, in the in the uh, championship, it was then at that time. Uh, they have good, uh, yeah, good facilities. They play, try to good, play good football. So for me, it was no difference. It was a good experience. And yeah, I think you were a player that excited a lot of Watford supporters. But fans always like to see wingers who have got a bit of skill and, and delivery and so on and so forth. Did you think that the way Watford played suited you, or do you think? Yeah, I remember Tommy Mooney always on the end of my crosses. I remember Gifton. Uh, I remember a couple of players that was always 
waiting for that moment that I would do my, my small magic and then finish with a cross so they could be in the, on the end of it. So, yeah, I, I had a brilliant, brilliant time. Also, a bit ups and downs, but in my memory, the feeling I have, it's very good. Do, do you think Watford could have done anything different to stay in that, stay in that division? Um, no, I think I think it's a, a yeah. What like you say, Watford is maybe a smaller club, and uh, I think that the managers and coaches they they did the best to manage the team and and get out of it what they could. And like you see now, you need more finances or uh, another situation to get you know not just 12 good players but maybe 20 so that you can proceed through the whole season. And you, you mentioned you still keep in touch with uh, with Michael, Michael Hyde. Do you still speak to any of the other guys? Or um, there's a social media and there is LinkedIn. So recently, uh, some players I, yeah, connected with me on LinkedIn. It was Nigel Nigel Gibbs. So I'm yeah. trying to get in touch, but I know it's very busy guy at the moment. So. Hopefully in the future I will uh, yeah, get in touch with more players. Uh, I have to, our listeners will, when you mention the name Nordenbuter, there's one thing you think of, as a Watford fan anyway, dreadlocks. <laughs> and I have to report that, with heavy heart, that I have to report that Norden has cut his hair. He looks very, very smart, um, but I'm a little bit disappointed that he hasn't got his dreadlocks. Why and when did you cut the hair? No, it's already a couple of years now. That the I fallout like mine? No, no, no. Actually, it was my wife started to pull out the dreadlocks yeah. with a little stick. So, uh, yeah, now for a few years already, but uh, uh, different, uh, different time in my career. So I'm not a professional player anymore, and I'm going to be on the side of the field trying to manage young professional players. So I think it's better to look smart instead of the dreadlocks. A bit of an image thing. I think I can understand that. From the rookery end. So uh, we're, we're at Vicarage Road now. And, um, I always wanted to say this, we're in the bowels of Vicarage Road. <laughs> <laughs> Not that the place is a bunch of bowels, no, oh, but it, it, we're here. Uh, we're joined by uh, Steve Herman, uh, who Hello. is uh, a Wolves commentator. I thought it would be quite a nice idea to get a, a pitch of... You know, we're third the way through the season now. How is the, the championships shaping up? Um, of course, before we start, I think we have to go over to Robo Jace. So we've reached the end of November. We are 16 games in, a third of the way through the season, and sit mid-table. How are you seeing the championship shaping up this season and how could the Hornets season pan out? I think this could be an even more interesting championship season um, than it has been the last few years. It's always been a division where any team can beat any other on their day. And I think this season we're not seeing anyone really run away with it. I'm not convinced that Palace will stay where they are. They've done well replacing Friedman with Holloway. Uh, but Zahar, no doubt, will be off in January. Middlesbrough as well, I, don't, I can't see them hanging on. We've seen Cardiff and Leicester start well, and then they've both slipped a little bit. I, I think the promotion is there for, t- for the taking for a lot of clubs this season. Uh, and we all know that a great run at the end of the season can mean playoff success. We've been there before. Is there any reason why we can't do that again this season? One thing, Steve, that, that Robo Jace didn't mention there was he didn't sort of mention any of those uh, the teams that were relegated, which Wolves was one. You're trying to bring back painful memories for me. No, no, no. <laughs> we've got more painful, painful right, no, memories no, than you have. Don't worry about anything. No. <laughs> Maybe me. 
how how are do you, how do you you view those those relegated sides doing at the moment? Well, uh, they're a bit hit and miss, aren't they? It's sort of very inconsistent. Um, Wolves being pretty much um, the, the main one of those because we're smack bang in the middle of the table at the moment. It started off well. We went on to have five wins in a row and then we haven't won in six going into today's game. So, um, you know, it's very difficult to say at the moment. There's been a lot of optimism before the season. Everyone was quite excited about Stoller Solbakken because it's a new era, but everyone as well is adjusting because you, you'll notice today that we try and keep the ball we play a lot of possession but we don't really do that much with it that's okay. that's kind of been the problem really um, so we'll have to wait and see what happens there Bolton um, they drew with us 2-2 at Molyneux and um they didn't look that bad. I'm, I'm surprised because they've kept a very good side still. If you look at their starting 11, I mean, their, their midfield was awesome. It still had Mark Davis in, uh, Martin Petrov. Um, they've got Kevin Davis up front. But again, they, they don't seem to be gelling. And then Blackburn, they should be doing better than they than they currently yeah, are. You probably understand why maybe the atmosphere around the place isn't probably the best. Yeah, <laughs> there is Yeah, there is that. They're not happy with the chicken people, are they? No. But, uh, <laughs> but the interesting is, like, every year, this is the first year where, I suppose... Normally, one of the teams that gets mm. relegated, West Ham were off the blocks quick, Newcastle off the box fairly quick when they came down, West Brom when they came down and went back up again. You know, I know it's painful to hear that bit. Um, but um, <laughs> that's the whole, you know, that no one has done that. Mm. So the classic football, you know, phrase that's coming out, Mike, is, oh, the championship, it's open. Anybody Anything can, can happen. Anybody. Anybody. Can, anybody can anybody beat Watford? No one can beat Watford. No one should beat Watford. Um, but as we all know, it has been known from time to time. In fact, one of the questions I was going to ask Steve was: Have Watford made any waves? Has the sort of takeover and Zola taking over made an impact elsewhere in the Championship? Well, they certainly made an impact last week, didn't they? They won six-one. I mean, I know, like you mentioned to me, players sent off and injuries for Leeds and that sort of thing. But um, they've made waves in terms of that. But I don't know. I, I think Watford, and they've kind of. Been a, to me, they've kind of been a club like this where they've just quietly gone about their business and they, they sneak in. Uh, they might well do that. It sounds like they've been playing some good football. Um, it should be an interesting game today on that well, point. If you're, if you're saying that Wolves are playing that much possession, we're sort of heading towards mm. possession. We, with the right people in the, in the team, we can certainly get forward and, and yeah. our can score goals. Six last week, so nice yeah. number. Um, <laughs> but the, um, it, it's, it's the other teams, actually. That's the thing about the Championship. I kind of worry, might worry about Watford early on with us. If we're playing all this passing what some people might call pretty football mm. um, there are some bruises in that championship yes. and it, it certainly doesn't seem to it's working kind of yeah. and we have some great games but is that the way to win the championship well I think that's the do you know what you could just say that about Wolves the exact same thing because we're playing pretty football playing passing about but you will encounter some strong tough tackling teams it was interesting last weekend because we had six goals in our game 3-3 um, though um, and the second half performance was very much like what it was like under Mick McCarthy a lot of strength a lot of passion a lot of drive tough tackling they got stuck in because we were down to 10 men we had to we had to play like that but then and the fans responded the atmosphere was brilliant but then Stolas back and said to me yesterday we're not going to stick with our style. We're going to go back to passing the hell out of teams. And uh, so I said last week it was going to be a stalemate against Brighton because I think they play the same type of yeah. football as well. And obviously, I got that wrong. I thought it was going to be like nil-nil, one-nil, but it was three-three. <laughs> so, what did you say? Was that, was that last week was the whole game like Mick McCarthy or was that? No, the, the just game? the second half after because okay. we uh, Carl Henry got sent off just before half time, and then we were down to ten men for the whole of the second half, and we just had to play like that. We had those backs against the wall and. We were like playing like underdogs again, and mm. and the, as I say, the fans loved it. But at the same time, the fans do like 
the pretty passing football. It just yeah. takes about 25 minutes for something to happen. Well, I think that's been similar here, and I think it's been a bit of a but, football but edging education for a lot of Watford supporters. Mm. So Watford have been kept the ball a lot, and you hear the odd murmur, oh, what are we going to do with it? What's going to happen? And then you see it, and it's just that unlock, yeah. unlocking of the defence with one ball, yeah. and... You know, there you have it. But it takes, I think, and I think certainly in the Championship, there hasn't been that much football played over the last, mm. well, historically over the last decade or so. But now you're getting more and more teams. We've spoken of you, Brighton, yourselves, Wolves, uh, Watford, trying to do it, and it's happening more and more. And it's, I think, it's encouraging that that f- people are trying to play football in this division. And I'll always stick up for Watford and the way they've done things in the in, in the past because I think success speaks more loudly than, um, you know, than, than methods. Really, I think it's all means to an end. To be perfectly honest, but. It's been it's been, a, it's been an interesting time at Watford, and I think Watford fans are just starting to understand and wake up to, to what that sort of football is because we haven't yeah. really seen it. Well, you've got to view it as you look at how Swansea have done so well um, when they got promoted. If you play this sort of football in the Championship and you can just continue it when you go to the Premier League, then maybe that's the way to be successful. And if more teams start going to play this way and play that passing, yeah. nice proper football, then the Championship is going to be a, a, a better. Bit of proposition to watch, really. Yeah. I tell you what, it's going to be an interesting game today because, mm. like, like I said, hearing you guys talk about Watford is exactly the way Wolves are playing. So it could end up being a really interesting game um, this afternoon. Um, whether it's a stalemate or whether there's lots of goals, I hope there's lots of goals because uh, I look forward to commentating to that. <laughs> and uh, let's hope there's goals in the right direction, which is Wolves. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, but, uh, <laughs> thanks for joining, Steve, and uh, good luck uh, in every game Wolves play. Thank you. Apart from against Watford. Yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. This is Britta Sombolonga doing the conga on From the Rookery End. When we started the 100 objects list, we uh, had to put an object that we love. The first object I put in was my Junior Hornets membership card. And uh, recently, uh, on the back of the programme and in posters around Vicarage Road, we've seen uh, the Junior Hornets. And I got excited about that, Mike. How are you feeling? Well, absolutely delighted. Obviously, uh, at the Peterborough game, we brought my entire family, parents, sisters, brothers, kids, cousins. Um, so there's been a big big hole, I think. One of the most exciting things as a kid at Watford was getting your little membership card and your handbook and whatever else you got. And I was quite disappointed when I was a dad and realised that the Junior Hornets, as was, didn't really exist. So to hear it's coming back is, um, is good because as football supporters, the thing we like doing is wasting money and getting stuff for our kids and making sure they're indoctrinated the way we were as, uh, as nippers. So, yeah, good to see it back. Uh, so the, the post date is back in December and we've asked uh, Richard Walker from the, from the club to, to, to tell us what, what is, Richard, what is this Junior Hornets going to be about? It's, surely it's uh, our way of saying... Um, here's a thank you for supporting us as a, as a young supporter. Also, I think the, the name's key for me. There, there, there was a Team Hornets offering and still is, effectively, officially speaking, but I don't think it ever got to grips with the fact that um, the children here are interested in Harry the Hornet, they're interested in the bright Watford colours, and they're interested in some of their favourite players. And I think that is what it's about, and that's what we've tried to make the website about. Um, the Junior Hornets website will go live towards the end of November, initially for Team Hornets people to log in first as a thank you for being a member previously and then from December um, all's fair if you're a parent of a nought to 15 year old and we've made it parents to register and yes. then you identify what children, child is on the site at the time. So what, what can my, as a parent, what can I expect from the Junior Hornets? Well it depends how old you are, we've taken the view of splitting it by school age so preschool nought to four 
primary school 5 to 11 and senior school 12 to 15. So they'll get different items depending on what age they are, with all members getting certain items like a Junior Hornets membership card Lights. that they can present in the shop, yeah. um, membership wallet that goes with it, pad and a pencil, one or two other fun bits. For example, at the older age group, we, we've got a specially designed USB stick, for example. <laughs> Very good. OK, so because... Kids are older, younger now, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> they're yeah. online, and the, and the school works on computers, right? So it's, we've kind of it's good though the fact that his parents um, putting their details in, and the kids aren't having to to get involved in an yeah, online. Yeah, I'm, I'm really uncomfortable, John, yeah. with the, with the minors situation yeah. here. Yeah, um, the under 16 situation. So we want parents to register their children. Now, a 15 year old, that's particularly uncool, isn't it? Yeah. But once it's done, and remember me on the computer, and the 15 year old is one of, say, three kids, they identify themselves and they're driven towards the 11 to 15 content. Yeah. It's available for everyone, but now, we're hoping for a bit of interactivity. Well, that, that brings me on to my next point, Richard, because my son is only one. But he's got a sweet left foot. He's already showing signs. So as part of the Junior Hornets membership, is there any chance of uh, you know a little sneaky look inside Harefield or getting him a trial, Richard? What do you think? Yeah, we're going to have interactive things like that. We're not going to go mad initially with the content. It, it'll look lived in when it when people register. There'll be a chance for some of the primary school player. Um, primary school registrants to come and interview a player at the training ground, some of the older ones to come in the press box and write match reports, the younger ones it's more about downloadable colouring ins and items that they might find yeah. interesting. So as it develops and as it as it feels a bit, we get a feel for what it is that membership want, then we'll develop the offering as, as we go along. I don't, obviously we don't want to overplay this but likewise we don't want to be too flippant and it, and it feels like perhaps with Watford fans at the start of the season a little bit worried about the Watford way and the and the club disappearing a little bit under the new ownership. Is this a, another way of the club making sure that Watford fans know the club's thinking about them? I think it's more coincidental actually with the, uh, 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 being given a wider remit myself rather than just the sort of football press office side of things for marketing and, and design and what have you. We had a sit down in the summer and thought what what's, what is intrinsic to Watford and one of those phrases is junior hornets. Mm. You know I'm, I'm sort of late 30s and, uh, and, and parents my age or parents as they are now were young supporters then and the Junior Hornets was a phrase you were proud to say and so because it's synonymous with the club why not use why not trade on that Junior Hornets name and I felt that those those children that would have been children in the early 80s and that are now parents might have uh, that might ring uh, might resonate with them the Junior Hornets well, name. I, I did go onto eBay and I did hunt down a uh, an old Junior Hornets badge and I had to buy it because it was that important to me and um, I know that if I ever um, do have children, let's say, if it's possible, mm. um, then that it's, it's advice, I think, for me as a parent coming to, to Watford. It adds that extra element to it all. And I still don't think, if it wasn't Junior Hornets, my dad wouldn't have brought me to Watford, because he wasn't from Watford. No, I mean, this is the thing. You, you start people young, and now you're seeing... At in the 70s, when the, when the club was in strife, George Kirby wasn't doing well. There was four and five thousand here, but these are third and fourth generation, third generation, shall we say, second and third generation children that are coming out of a period of when adults really got into Watford because they were successful. And now you're seeing people saying, often get items for the programme and the website. Uh, this, uh, my dad and my granddad, or my dad and my son, are, and you're seeing this generation of fans almost developing. It'd be crazy for us not to latch on to that and make them feel more as much part of it as we can. The, yeah. the, only, thing, the only thing I'm disappointed with, Richard, is that I can't be a member. Because I'm far too old. <laughs> right? That'd be amazing. <laughs> I don't know, you're a child in a man's body. Even if, you're <laughs> gonna, if you pop the mental age on the application form, you should be, should be bang in. Richard, you're, Richard, you're, you're 
title here at Watford is Head of Media and Communications. Yeah, is that it's, right? a, it's a little bit of a why <laughs> never trust a long job title. But <laughs> no, I, I've been I've been here a while in two spells. '99 uh, was the first time I joined and had four years away and come back a couple of years ago. So it's it's lively in the club and the club is being run as a business should be run now. The word club is what the fans associate with. The word mm. business is what we deal with in the week when there's not a match on. Because I think the fans are starting to get a feel that the club is moving in the right direction, certainly on the pitch. And and obviously you can't give too away too much, but well, from the, sitting in an office... The, at, at the, the feelings club, will always be driven by what's happening on the pitch among the stands. I always feel that. You can do, like we're doing with the Junior Hornets, so much off the pitch to get engagement, but your biggest marketing tool will always be the results. And if that brings a warmth to it and the players are showing a warmth to supporters like the October half-term open training session and the August open day, if we're able to keep developing those ideas and keep bringing those to people, we're going to people rather than saying you've got to work hard to, 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 to get to us, if you like. Some of the, the most popular events have been the, the at-your-place things. Are they coming up again? Are they yeah. going to do those again? Yeah, we, we, we took a view that the fans forum was probably covered so much ground and was so informal in its nature, it was a little bit like an at-your-place event in yeah, many respects, even though it was on-air and broadcast. So we're going to leave those till 20 2013, but look to get them going in late January in the, in the local community and have at least three at your place events. And we've got the Carol concert, which we're we're going to try to run after a Saturday match day because the school holidays don't really work too well before Christmas in terms of a midweek day. I don't know how. How do you think that will go? Well, we won't be here because it's my wedding day. How do you think it'll go generally? <laughs> I think we go really. Well. Oh, no, I'm not meant to be asking the questions, but <laughs> it's quite a good gauge, I suppose. Really. Well, no. If you've never if you've never done it before, if you see it's happening and people know it's going to happen. If, if the song starts fairly fairly quickly, they're going to kick around and everyone loves singing the old uh, Christmas carol. Are we going to open up with a sort of orchestral version of Zed Cars? <laughs> I think that could be... We, we on, could look at that. some sort of Ste- belts. <laughs> if we don't play Steppin's Christmas by Elton John <laughs> in between the match and the carol concert, I should be disappointed. So the, the message being, I think, and which is quite positive, there's quite there's stuff for what for fans of all ages happening at the moment. We've mentioned the fans forum. That's, you know, that's for people of a certain age who can go and ask their questions. There's carol concerts, there's the Junior Hornets. Things are happening around the place, aren't they? Yeah, they are, yeah. I mean, we're talking here ahead of the Junior Hornets launch. We are trying. We haven't got millions to spend, you know, so the website isn't going to look some amazing flash-based, uh, you know, super highway of information, but it, it's going to be functional. It hopefully will be fun and give children a chance to interact with the first-team players. And that's really been the mandate behind Junior Hornets. It's free to register. We've had a budget which we've worked to, and, and hopefully everyone can get involved with it. So what do, what do people need to do and when? Team Hornets members will get an email, like I said, first of all, giving them a chance to register before anyone else. Then after that, we expect the site to go live either Friday, November the 30th, Saturday, December the 1st, juniorhornets.co.uk. And we're going to try and beat the Christmas post with, uh, with what we've got to send to people. Stay in the loop and get involved on facebook.com slash rookeryend. Here it is, a collection of historic and intriguing items that define Watford Football Club. Oh, it's Watford in 100 objects. Uh, object to go in the list this month is from Wayne Godfrey. Um, Wayne sent it in a while ago. We we wait for the right moment. I don't, is there ever really a right, a right moment for an object so horrific? But he's, he's put it in the right way. The object going in this month's list, uh, a list of 100 objects that define what for football club, is Harriet Hornet's head on a silver platter. Does it? Are we before the watershed? <laughs> We're not actually showing it. Anyway. August the 28th, 19... 
98. Harry the Hornet got married to Harriet the Hornet. The ceremony took place on the pitch at Vicarage Road before the start of the game against Wolverhampton Wanderers, the game we are going to watch today. And uh, it was witnessed by uh, Wolfie, the Wolves mascot, who we haven't seen so far. Today. Famous, of course, but that's the same Wolfie who got into a bit of strife with the three little pigs at Bristol City. <laughs> he did, didn't he? <laughs> uh, he, was, he was Harry's best man which is an, an honour. The club held the, the, the full wedding ceremony um, for Harry and Harriet. Now, basically, Harriet was Harry with a longer shirt and eyelashes. And slightly curlier antlers as well, I seem to remember. Oh, yeah, they were. Sort so of yeah. curved, more curved. Yeah. Um, now, she was a looker. <laughs> in, the, in a hornet world, Mike, She's yeah. definitely the best-looking mascot. Bar none. Okay. I'll name one a better-looking mascot than her. You know what? None come to mind. What comes to mind is Wendy, who's Wolfie's uh, partner. Now, Harry didn't, didn't last very long, Mike. She wasn't particularly, she wasn't particularly popular with the fans, was she? Well, I don't... I See, the problem I have with this whole, this whole incident is that it came hot on the heels of Harry's previous finest moment, which I think was actually the week before, when he came out onto the pitch dressed as James Bond, <laughs> accompanied by two stunning Bond girls. So he's gone, what disappointed me, and presumably the rest of the Watford uh, supporting community, was he'd gone from being Flash Harry, if you will, yeah. sort of James Bond, having all the sort of girls ladies. off his arm. So next minute he's committed. <laughs> he's taken a plunge and married someone. So no, Harriet was not ever popular. Now you, uh, you've got a younger daughter, Mike. Yeah. Uh, she's two, she's been to a few, few Watford games You're now. You're not about to tell me that Harry and Harriet are our real parents. No, 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 no. Uh, do you think she would, uh, would enjoy Harriet as well as Harry Hornet? Do you know what? I think there's something about Harry that she loves. I think she'd be jealous of Harriet, certainly. Um, she, she'd, she'd like Harriet if she was dressed in a pink... Maybe if she had an Almunia's pink goalie shirt on, that might catch her attention. <laughs> but to be perfectly honest, I think Harry should be the, the sole focus. And it, okay. it has been for Florence, and I think she'd be disappointed if, uh, if there was someone muscling on her, on her mascot. Now, I chatted to a friend of mine who's a Wolves fan. Um, uh, apparently, the, the Wolves have got two mascots. There's Wolfie and his sister, Wendy. And they go around together at games, and the fans love them both. Now, I'm told that apparently there was once talk of them getting married, but of course, their brother and sister, they don't come from West Bromwich, so they can't get married. <laughs> We're joined by uh, Sky Sports' Adam Leventhal and Watford fan. How many years Watford fan, Adam? 33. 33 years. Yes. From Man the, and from boy. The cradle. From, from November the 13th, which was my birthday not so long ago, gents. <laughs> Happy birthday, Adam. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Yeah, I've been 33 years a Watford fan. And it's our pleasure to grant your birthday wish by having you on the podcast. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. You're more thank than you very much. Um, uh, great author, to be here. You're, you're, you're a, um, a broadcaster, uh, but now an author. I am. Of, uh, you're, you're one of the 11 chapters on the new Tales from the Vicarage. Yes. And yours is all about loyalty. It is. I'm a co-author. Mm. I don't know if I can call myself a fully-fledged author. Once I've written a book uh, cover to cover, then I, I will call myself an author. But yeah, it's about loyalty. It's centering on the time that uh, Brendan Rogers was in charge and then following on to Malky Mackay. And it's just questioning 
the various different strands and questions related to loyalty. Obviously, a lot of, center, uh, a lot of attention was put on those quotes from Brendan Rodgers before he left, before he decided to go to Reading after five and a half months when he said, don't question my integrity, I'm loyal to this club. And then, obviously, he flew down the, uh, mm -hmm. the M4. And what was great for me is to, a couple of years down the line, go to these two guys, to Brendan Rodgers and to Malcolm Mackay and say, look, would you like to talk about your time at the club? I wasn't necessarily expecting them to say yes. I thought they might go, well, no, I've had a bad experience there um, in leaving and the impression that has been left has been a negative one, so I don't want to revisit it. But both of them said, to their credit, one, I'm willing to pick up my phone to you, Adam, and two, I'm willing to talk at length about my time and the experiences and the challenges. And hopefully what it gives to people is a different perspective on how they left, why they left, and how difficult at times it was for them to be working under different regimes and, and different times. Can I get the idea, like, if you listen from reading it myself, you know, you get the idea that actually Brendan is more regretful, but Malky's much more practical. You know, he did leave for what we now sort of keeps coming out about Mr. Neal. He usually shall not be named. Uh, yeah, he usually named. Uh, One of the floodlights just started flickering then. As soon as started, <laughs> the irony is that the man that you just said that you don't want to name yeah. has got the same initials as the man who was the um, architect of the book, Lionel Burney, who's obviously been on the podcast. <laughs> so sometimes I see text messages and it's, it's initialed LB at the end and I have a, I have a little bit of a shudder. <laughs> but thankfully it's Lionel. But, uh, but I get the idea that actually Malky made all those decisions for the really good career so it didn't end re reasons. Yeah, and, and it's talked about in the, in the chapter that he did have the opportunity to leave earlier than he did. He'd been here as a player, as a coach. He knew the club. He still got, you know, holds the club in, in high regard. Um, and some of the advice that perhaps he was given when he departed was due to the fact that there was also a player that followed him and Cowie perhaps shouldn't have gone and some of the information that he knew the fans didn't know, et cetera, et cetera. He was basically told, look, just go. Don't necessarily say goodbye and everything's great because it might not be perceived in the best fashion that he left and then a player followed him as well. That's the good thing about the chapter. You're speaking to these men a little bit down the line and they're giving their story about from, from, from there being reflective, not being part of that moment anymore. Yeah. Um, and it's, 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 it feels the right time for them to sort of talk about it. Yeah, it was interesting speaking to Brendan at the time that I did because it was actually on the day that Kenny Dalglish had been sacked at Liverpool. Oh, right. So he's and the he Swansea was, manager. Yeah, and he, so he was still the Swansea manager. Um, and at that time, he was obviously talking about, you know, if I make my next step, um, I will have learned a lot more about how to do it, whether it's going to be the, the, the right next step for me, how I want to do it as well. And if you remember, uh, in that interim period, in between him first being linked with the Liverpool job and then going, he was mooted to be on a, on a short list. And then he'd obviously, through Swansea, said, look, I don't want to just be on some short list. Mm. Um, I want to be the number one target. If they really want me, then they can come and get me. And it sort of reflected the fact that he didn't want a messy departure. Yeah. Well, he never uh, said that. He, he certainly, his, his phrases he used um, in those yeah. months, and those week, days and weeks leaving uh, Swansea were definitely much more considered yeah. and learned from, yeah. I think, when and he left Watford. Look, I mean... He, he arrived, he did have a, a difficult start trying to convert the team to play better football, get the shape right and play similar, similar football than, that we're seeing now under Zola. And he had great success, finished pretty strongly. And I think a lot of the feeling from the fans was, 
oh, damn, if yeah. only he'd stayed because we were looking yeah. really good. And I don't necessarily think it was, oh, he went to Reading because they're not a, not no. a great mm. rival no, of ours. No, no, it was no. just the fact that you just thought, we were on the oh, edge we were on, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And amazing, he got Thomas Prisking scoring goals, which is an amazing, amazing thing. I know, exactly. Um, so bring, it, bring this up to date then, they're two uh, managers with very recent history. You mentioned Gianfranco Zola. What are your thoughts on, on him and his Watford so far? So far, the jury's out. But I think the jury is enjoying being on jury service. <laughs> and they're enjoying the free sandwiches. Uh, they're enjoying being off work. And uh, they're enjoying the whole experience. So I'd say that the jury is out. But I think they're going to return a, a guilty verdict. And the guilty verdict is that Watford are playing far better football. And they're looking in far better shape than they were. So, I don't know if I've spanned that analogy out <laughs> to any comprehensive... It would be a case of sending us down, then, at the end. There you go. <laughs> there Very you go. good. Very good. But no, look, I think, overall, we're playing better football. We've got better players. We seem to be building something. And whilst I follow your recent tweet, you know, never too high, never too low, I'm feeling something in my water, and it's not... An ailment. Exactly. Well, yeah. Robo Jason got a message for us. John, I saw your tweet last week where you commented on a photo of Vidra, Forestieri, Hoban and Pudil at the Watford Christmas light switch on. You said, It's been a long time since I looked at a bunch of Watford FC players and felt excitement in my belly. So, John, how come you're feeling this way? I, I feel excited by those individual players. And as a team... That is a far more skillful and able set of players than we've had, yeah. I, I think, ever. Yeah, no, 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 no disrespect to no, people no, no, we've no. had before because it's a very different playing field now. But yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And Adam, I guess you, you agree with that. Yeah, and I think it's having quality players at the same time as having a structure and a plan. They're there for a reason. Some of the players that have remained, like Hogg, has remained, but... He's got the role that fits him now. And that hasn't necessarily been the case when other managers have taken over. They've inherited players and just thought, right, well, we'll stick it in a 4-4-2 and then we'll just kick on. Zola, to be fair, has... okay. they said they brought in too many players all at one time, but he's got players in positions that he wants them to be in. He might have too many players, and we'll see what happens in January, but we can't complain about the quality of players like Forestieri and... Vidra and uh, Chaloba, as yeah. it's supposed to be. Yeah. Who, who are you most excited about? Who's the, who gets your excitement going the most? Um, I, I think Forestieri. Once he gets the finishing product, mm. <laughs> there's me <laughs> telling, telling him how to finish. But you know what I mean. I mean yes. He's very, very yeah, exciting. Yeah, yeah. But Vidra reminds me of like a, an Ida Goodjonsson sort of mm. striker. Can move quickly over the ground. Obviously didn't do very well at Bolton. Should have done far better. Could have got them up, you know, in 99. Um, but I think Vidra, Forestieri, Chaloba. Honourable mention for Abdi as well. Who's your favourite? Oh, yeah, Abdi, of course. I, like, I think Abdi's my favourite. Okay. The way he sort of uh, saunters around the place. He's, he's carrying a little bit of timber, I, I like to think. He probably isn't. No. But I think, I, uh, think they, I think those new shirts make you look faster than you, than you well, do. Well, that's certainly Troy <laughs> argument. Um, <laughs> Troy, if you're listening to this... <laughs> 
Only love. <laughs> Only love. Um, but I think Abdi, the way he, I think he's absolutely key. He reminds me a little bit of Craig Ramage. I think I've said this before. Yeah, but he it's, does, yeah. It's nice. He sort of goes side to side. He's he just one of those key players. He's instrumental in, mm. in what we're doing. But the, the quality the quality there is, is there for all to see. And I think it's hugely exciting. And the context of it as well is, while there's still questions, you know, we, we're still very early into, mm. into what is a very new way of life here at Watford so I think we all need to still be on our toes we stood, we got our fingers burnt and we need to, to remember that but there's, so. nothing, there's nothing with being excited but as long as you're not getting carried away I think that's reasonable never too high never too low yeah. I can't take credit for that that was a Malky quote that well, he's great. You should read about him in the new book, Tales from the Vicarage. Uh, he didn't say that to me, but he said a lot of other very, very interesting things about, for example, um, him having to go into so much detail of the budgetary constraints that he had to take smoked salmon off the trays in the corporate lounges to give himself a little bit of extra cash. No managers have to make that decision, do No, well, everyone should have salmon. <laughs> and there speaks a man in a suit talking to a man in a baseball cap and uh, ripped rip jeans. I'm going to go for the popular choice. My favourite one, uh, new player this year, is Tommy Hoban. Because he's great. I mean, yeah. that, 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 it, well, he's saying new. New regulars. New, new first mean, team. But it's yeah. new that, that actually all those young players that come in are fitting in and they're, 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 not, they're not filling gaps. They're actually filling positions and doing a, a, a very good job about it. And just very briefly, Adam, about the, the club as a whole, there was a lot of concern from a lot of the fans that we might lose our identity. You know, where's, the, where's this club I know going? What's happened to the Watford Way? It struck me a couple of weeks ago now, we had a good week where I think we had the open day where we had the open yep. training session here where we had a good couple of thousand kids. We then had the fans forum that week yep. and then we, we capped it off with a, with a great win against Leicester. So it, yep. it felt there was good stuff happening off the pitch and then it, it was... We, we put a full stop against it with a good performance on the pitch. Mm-hmm. So, do you think we can now stop worrying about sort of lo- the sort of losing our identity, the, the Watford way disappearing? Or, I think what's what struck me from one of those things that you mentioned from the fans forum is that the hierarchy that are now here seem to have learnt from their previous mistakes, and they've admitted that. So they're not going to arrive at a club and deliberately rip its heart out and tread on it and kick it into touch. What is the point in that? And they seem to be saying sensible things. So we have to hold them to it. And at the moment, look, there was criticism, wasn't there, recently from an unnamed journalist, basically saying Watford represents the worst things about football. We've got lone players coming in that we can benefit from, and then they may go on and be sold for loads of millions of pounds. What's the difference between a young player like, for example, Marvin Sordell, coming into the side, playing a couple of seasons, maybe leaving a little bit before he should have done Mm. because he's not getting into the Bolton side as much as he would like, and then being sold for millions of pounds. We're in a situation where we are not going to be the full stop for people's careers, and we never have been, apart from perhaps in the 1980s, for a brief period. That's what we do. We breed players, we house players for a bit, we enjoy them. They're like oranges and lemons. We wring them out, take the juice out, and then they can go off and sell their skins for more money. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. Yeah. And, it is, and it's the way so it has so been. So scrumping, is that what you're saying? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> and we'll be forever more. It's, it's, it's a couple of this side, you ain't going to do anything else, are you? It's not going to happen. Um, well... But is that the goal, though, where we are a destination for players? You know, is that what the Pozzo plan is, that we are somewhere where 
Um, you know, we're sitting 10th in the Premier League with looking at Europe and players are thinking, well, I could go to Watford and that well, is, my, my, that's what I'm aiming for. My favourite thing that he said was, we're only going to keep all these players, develop them even further and not sell them until they can go to a big club. A big club, yeah. Not just Bolton because they're, they're slightly higher in the league than, they, than we are. Actually, they're going to go for bigger money and yeah. we can hold on. To, you know, imagine Danny Graham for another season. If he'd had another 28-goal season in the Championship, yeah. even with Watford, he wouldn't have gone for three, he would have gone for nine. Or, you know, a much better amount of money than he would have done. That would have been stronger for the football club to develop from. But, of course, we couldn't keep him holding longer. We had to sell him for the, for the money. More juice for us and a bit of extra skin for the others. Mm. Yeah, I, but, I mean, I don't want to... My, my bad analogies, I don't want that to mar <laughs> my interview. I'm very, very positive about the situation. The jury's out and we're guilty of playing good football. Mm. The juice is tasting good at the moment and hopefully we'll ha- we've got a bigger, a bigger vat so we can store more juice and they can be wrung out more. Yeah, if you can any see, sense at all. Yeah. I'm sort of looking off into the distance at the moment, sort of mildly. I don't have to be happy, confused, or I think it's a measure of how far we've come today. When we were watching Pudil coming down the down the left, I said to I said to my brother and Kev who came, I said oh, we need to get Pudil running onto the ball because he's so left-footed yeah. that he's, he's he's having to stop and go back inside. And uh, my friend Kevin, he stopped and thought about it. He said, so Mike, what you're saying is we've gone from having no left, left-sided player yeah, to yeah. someone who is, you know, is perfectly left-footed and now you're, and you're still not happy. Mm. And I think that's kind of where we've come. Yeah. And, and again, when Lloyd came off, I was like, oh, who have we got? You know, we're we're used to having, making substitutions and it to be being finger in the, in the damn time. Mm. Whereas now we've got players coming on um, who are able replacements. I mean, we don't need to worry. And, no. and we're looking, we've, we, it feels like we're, it's gone up a notch. Yeah, standards yeah, yeah, are yeah, yeah. up. Um, and I think and that's the enjoyable. Up. I think that's great, and we should certainly embrace it. Are we all happy Hornets? Yes, very much so. Yeah. Very happy much so. Hornets. But yeah. never too high, never too low. You got it. <laughs> From the rookery end. The big interview on From the Rookery End this, uh, this month is with uh, a young... Irish fella, not Italian, not Czechoslovakian. He's from Ireland. Tell me Irish accent, there, Mike. Was that what it was? Yeah. Excellent. Okay. My mum lived in uh, Belfast for several years, and I think I picked up the accent. Um, so, uh, Connor Smith. Yeah. Made his first team debut, the first game of the season away at Crystal Palace. Yeah. Uh, and he was on the pitch when the goals that won the game were were, were scored. He came is, on today as well. He came on today. He's played uh, in the Watford's two-one win. Uh, at home to Wolverhampton Wanderers uh, and it, we haven't seen a huge amount of him we saw him a little bit when he was a youth team player and you, all the signs there are yeah he's going to be a good player and the fact that he's on a five year contract is quite massive what is it what it is though it's great that they're you know he's popping up he's playing football for our football club you know he's a youngster he's one that's come through albeit by slightly less um, traditional means what people from the outside looking in might think these guys are getting their chance Tommy Hogan Connor Smith Sean Murray started to come back into the fold the interesting about Lloyd Doyley again today <laughs> yeah. all those boys though they, they all, they've all been given five year contracts which is quite a commitment so let's ask, let's ask Robo guys what he thinks about uh, that sort of commitment from our club it is a big commitment isn't it five year contracts you, you, I don't think you see many of them again you sort of think what what happens if it goes wrong? It's great if all goes well and, and they develop quickly. And of course, what it means is that if they do become too big for Watford, too good for Watford, and Premier League clubs come sniffing, if we're not one by then, is that we can demand a big transfer fee. And this is what the Potsays are about: signing these these youngsters, these rough diamonds, I think as they've been called, developing them, and then being able to get big money for them, so that we can then invest that, or whoever can invest that in. Uh, 
in the scouting network, in the youth, or however they want to invest it in in the future. So, um, yeah, it makes sense if things go well. If things don't go so well, what sort of commitment is it? We don't know what sort of wages these guys are being paid. I'm assuming it's something good enough to to want them to stay at the club. So without knowing the finer details, it's a hard question to answer. But you would imagine it is for the good of the club. It is, it is good. Good, valuable insight from a robot. Well, robots are the future. Hi, Jason. Uh, but we, we caught, I got with Connor um, when they had the period recently at the Hornet shop. Uh, and I have to start by asking him about how he came to be a Watford player and his little stint on a reality TV show. Some of you some of us might have seen you on your little television show where you got to speak to Jamie Radnap about being cut or not being cut, like a lot of uh, people like on, on reality TV shows. Can you sort of, uh, after that experience, can you sort of relate to them in terms of that, that experience of it? Obviously, players that, that haven't had a chance at clubs and that it's good for them to go on the show, but when, when I was on it, when it comes to them times of, um, of the manager making decisions on, on like bottom two or, or who's going home, it is nervous as well, sitting in the changing room, waiting for him to come in and tell us, so yeah, it is a bit nerve-wracking, so I think... On all these shows, I, I can relate to how they're feeling at these times when, when they, they have nerve-wracking days, when, when they're coming in to give you decisions on whether you're staying or going. So you can relate to someone like, like Ryland on, on X Factor? <laughs> <laughs> Did you get over-excited um, about that? <laughs> not that excited, but yeah. No, I think he, he obviously just he, people either love him or hate him, but I think now it's different, obviously, that X Factor being live and that, so that's a bit yeah. different. But with, 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 with us, obviously not, with not being shown until after, but still even at that time, obviously, yeah, when, when he's coming in and... Not knowing if you've done enough to get through that, yeah, this is nerve-wracking. So, how did you get from being on there to being a Watford player? Um, there was a, a stage of the show, the last forty, which was um, which was done at the training ground, the Watford training ground. So, I think there must there was a link between the show and Watford, and so I, then as soon as it finished, when I finished second, it was literally a day later that I told I was been coming here on trial, so they, they got me a trial here, which was good for me. And I think it was a week. I went home for a week and then went straight to Watford on a six-week trial. So it happened pretty quick after the show. Yeah. Your debut. What were you thinking on that, that day on, on the bench? I remember um, I was on the bench and obviously we went, I remember it 1-0 down, 1-0, and when we went 2-1 down, I was thinking, um, obviously, I think when normally when it comes to debuts, they look like for a few goals up, maybe give them, give them a run out, so I was, I, when we went 2-1 down, I was a bit disappointed, thinking, oh, I, I doubt I'll come on now, he'd probably look to the more experienced players to come on, so when he told me to to, um, to get ready, I was, I was shocked, but I was looking forward to it, obviously nervous as well, so, but um to yeah to come on at two one down and win three two was a great experience and a debut that I'll never forget. Yeah. Did you come on at the same time as Big Chris? Because when me? Um yeah, me, me and Big Chris came on together. I think Vida came on like ten ten minutes before us. Then me and Chris came on together. And Did he say anything to you? So while you you stood there? And yeah, he just just said I'm um, going and enjoy it. Just um, not not to worry too much. Obviously being two one down, we knew how important it was us coming on that we needed to do something. So I think we were. We were trying to just get on the ball and keep playing and not change how we were playing because we knew that we could get a result. I think we deserved more anyway. We shouldn't. We I don't think we think we deserved to be two on down. But yeah, as, as I said, it's just debut. I'll never forget. And do you actually remember your first touch? Um, what you did? I think it was out wide, right beside the right beside the, the manager. I think I, yeah, I got it wide and just played it inside. So to, yeah, so luckily I kept it. Otherwise, I could have been downhill from there. Yeah, but um, no, that's what I always look to get a good first touch and yeah, yeah. keep it first few times just to keep it simple. Just get just ease your way into the game so yeah it was really enjoyable after that yeah. and you recently signed a new five year contract which is quite a long time it's about a quarter of your life I suppose so far <laughs> yeah. was it is it a long process for you to sort of make that decision um, no I think I mean, when, when the new obviously when the new um, backroom staff and all the coaches come in I was thinking like, I, that hopefully I can push on like obviously everyone starts from a clean slate and every, like, they don't know much about anyone so I think 
a good first impression that needs to be made. And I think obviously I've done that, like being offered a new deal. And as soon as I was offered it, I was, I was delighted. I, really, I wanted to get it done as quick as possible and get it signed. I was, like, I was really happy to, to commit that long to here. I've just been really enjoying it and yeah, really like it here. Yeah. I suppose with your experience when you were so over in Italy, did you learn much Italian that helped you get to know Mr. Mr. Zola a little bit better? <laughs> I um, learned a little bit, but I've forgotten it by now, yeah. Yeah, a few years down. But yeah, we did, you do pick up it quite easily, yeah. So you, Picked up a little bit, but as I said, yeah, forgotten now. Not obviously not being around that anymore. Yeah, but might, might come back to me now. Actually, <laughs> well, it might be useful. Back. Yeah, you're you're one of the young players. The three of us do the podcast. We're fairly old. We're in our thirties. Not quite double your age, but fairly close. A couple of questions. Can you name your favourite artist that isn't Drake? Play the script. What do you like on FIFA 13? Oh yeah, the best of the club. I say yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. If Nando's closed down, where would footballers go for their dinners? I, I love a Wagamama's, yeah. Wagamama's, yeah. Okay. Have you ever owned a music cassette tape? <laughs> no, <laughs> never owned one of those, okay, make us feel old. Before my time. There's a lot of new people around the club. You were here for, you've been here for a couple of seasons, you've seen the table tennis tournament. Any hot tips this year on maybe someone who could come through? Because every time someone wins it, they leave the club. So the last two yeah, champions right. are both left. Yeah, I always fancy myself, but then I always keen to get knocked back. But I think out of new players, um, I think you got Alex Jekyll's good, um, and Christian Batocchio probably the two to look out for in the new players. But then otherwise you got you got the, the normals that are in around there. So yeah, yeah. out of new players, be them two to look out for. Yeah. You under 19 for Republic of Ireland. How's that? How's that been going for you? Yeah, it's good. Um, I've been too old this season, so like just just to start this season. So but last last two seasons I've been involved and obviously been to the Euros and stuff. Yeah, it's a good experience. Obviously to get away from the different experience from club level. It's really, it's it's good for, good for the players. Obviously me, Sean, and Tommy have all been doing it. with together in the same team so yeah it's been really enjoyable yeah. Any, did, you, did you set yourself targets for this year? No I think it's just just to try to get involved as much as possible get as many games obviously a big target of mine is to try to get a start this season if, if at all possible so I think I've just got to just keep trying training hard get on the bench and when I come on try and try to impress enough to try and maybe push on for a start yeah. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end I don't think I'm understating things, Michael, by saying the last month of Watford football has been absolutely fantastic. Finishing off here with the uh, the two-one win at home to Wolverhampton Wanderers. Certainly feels very, very positive. Now it started off tricky, didn't it? We had away games. We had Cardiff away. We had um, Blackburn away. Did you did you think we would get the the, the points that we did away at Leeds? Did you think we were going to get the points that we did at home to Wolves? Mm, possibly, no, think, but not definitely. I think we ended up looking back. That it feels like between this at the last podcast and this it feels like a very very positive month hugely positive and especially towards the you know the last three four games we've made, we've made massive strides and even looking back to that Cardiff game which was you know a difficult night there on Tuesday you know it's difficult enough going there to somewhere like that on a Tuesday night under floodlights big crowd um, and then to lose two players you know have two men sent off make a great start go ahead in the game then to have two men sent off um, well, that's, that's interesting we said about two men getting sent off when Leeds went would had two men down, yeah. we did go and beat them six. Yeah. Yeah. Cardiff only just beat us yeah, with nine men. And today, right you know, playing against a ten-man Wolves team, actually that shows the strength of Wolves, I think. Yeah. We were talking about the, the, these relegated teams. There is a strength in Wolves because they only did let in those two goals even though they were down to, to ten men. Yeah, the point you're making that Watford are doing, look like they're doing the, the things, the, they're playing games properly, you know, we're, even if we are up against it, so in adversity we're still doing well. Mm. Um, Cardiff away, we, we, the backs against the wall, we really did well and almost got a point. I think the one the one game that stands out as being slightly more disappointing than the others in this little period is, but was the Blackburn away mm. game. I don't think we really, we created much in that game and it, it feels like that is the, is the, is the blip. 
but that's historic already. I think we've passed that game. We've moved on, and we've had. You know, obviously, everyone's still talking about the Leeds game. What a terrific result that is! And you can you can talk to me all day long about. Um, uh, what was that score again, Mike? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Six goals to one, and you can talk to me all all day long about them being down to nine men. But if you have the quality of the finish, um, they were, Watford were absolutely clinical in that, and they put them to bloody bed. And if you haven't seen the video, I put it on the uh, Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash rookery end. There is a video which Leeds United put together, and they just have a picture, a, a camera on Neil Warnock, Warnock camp, and you yeah. just see how he watches Watford's goals go in. He doesn't get really angry and upset, but there's one bit where Vid, when Vidger scores his goal, where he's literally one and one, and you just see him turning away again. It's going to go in. It's going to go in. I'm not looking at it. And he looks over his shoulder at the right point when the goal goes in the back of the net, <laughs> and it's like going, "Come on, Warnock, enjoy." Oh yeah, there's nothing better than, than beating Leeds, and there's nothing better than beating Warnock. That as a little. Um, as a little double was uh, was fantastic but you know it's just it feels like we're building up a head of steam and that's what we've failed to do so far we've won one and then lost one or won one and drawn one now you know we've won at Leeds we've won at Wolves um, and, and they're strong performances Wolves you know they're not pulling up any um, trees uh, any trees this year um, but nevertheless they're, they're our team that are going to be tough to beat no, we, we are about heading to that Christmas spell and that's of course where there's a lot of games in a row and actually that can be quite a make or break part of the season for a team so it's good that we're in the position that we are and I think I'm very, very, feeling very very positive towards it there's no complaints about that but what I was Oh, um, we've got a, a message from, from Jason. Huh. Boys, as we come to the end of November and head into December, we get nearer and nearer to Christmas. And in From the Rookery End World, that means the return of our Christmas man, Xavier the Lucky Christmas Snowman. Yes, I'm as excited as you are. Xavier's on his way back, Mike. Are you excited? I can hardly contain myself. He was a lucky Christmas snowman, Xavier. Um, after uh, we won our, is it six or seven we won on the chop two years I ago I think it was seven wasn't it, it was and then seven. came to a stuttering halt a uh, shuddering halt away at Cardiff when Xavier was put away for, uh, for his uh, year long uh, rest that snowmen have to have when yeah. Christmas decorations go away I went to Jason's the other day and Xavier is ready. He's ready? He's ready. Are you keeping him in, in sort of like a, what, in a cool box or something? Or? <laughs> I think he's, he's, he's in the fridge. He's got his own shelf in the fridge. Well, in like the egg container bit. Yeah, that's a bit. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Xavier, the lucky Christmas snowman, um, who uh, has, has been a good luck for the last couple of years for, for Watford, will be back. And, and we'll be back uh, for a, a December podcast. If we're honest, we're not 100% sure what that's going to be. Hopefully, there'll be a decent interview there with David James, with Fernando Forestieri, uh, and some sort of chat. But the reason, Michael, that we're not going to have the most amazing time at the end of December is because I won't be around. Because Ladies. Um, ladies. Ladies of Watford. It's the day that you all feared. John mm. Mooney is officially... Getting man Off the shelf. He's off limits. Uh, so we, You've we... still got a small window. <laughs> so if you really do want to play, make a play for Watford's premier podcast, don't oh. <laughs> Now's your chance. Uh, but we'll be back uh, with the Timber Podcast uh, and, and hopefully a fantastic second half of the season. Come on, you horns. Yeah,